Welcome to the Forever Classic Podcast, the show seeking enlightenment through video games, films, and other geek culture. I'm Zach, and with me this week, as always, is Alex. Hey, it's the one, the only Alex McCumbers here with you. And Zach, today we're going to talk about probably one of my favorite video game companies. Oh yeah? What's that? Square motherfucking Enix. Oh yeah, Square is so great. Yeah. So we're coming up off the heels of kind of settling in from the the really kind of bombastic announcements of E3. The only thing missing from this entire presentation, like the whole trade show, was the fact that Sony decided to stay home. If it if they had been there and had also done similar announcements, it could have been one of my favorite E3s ever. But Square Enix actually... The thing about Square Enix is the presentation happened after like three or four disappointing ones. Because we had EA and Bethesda and both of those were extremely lackluster and sometimes laughable. Oh, they were so bad. But Square Enix came in hot and heavy. Yeah, they, they told us all the news we wanted to hear. Truthfully, and some things that we didn't know that we wanted, which I'm all about. Yeah, that's really true. They told us some good stuff <laughs> this year. So, Zach, let me ask you this before we go any further. Are you a fan of Final Fantasy VII? Oh, you know it. Me too. I like that one. And I also think that it is probably the game that has aged the worst in the Final Fantasy library. Aside from maybe a couple spinoffs here and there. But that game is getting a huge reimagining. And it's going to be extremely ambitious. And probably one of the biggest like remakes we've ever seen in video games. And they came in with this really incredible gameplay trailer. That also kind of capped off with like a bit of a story trailer. And these characters look just amazing. They're beautiful. They really are. Like Barrett in particular... Sounds exactly like I thought Barrett would sound if he had voice. I heard the guys on, I think, PlayStation Lifestyle kind of summarize this in a similar fashion. They said that they got to actually play the demo, and that one of the things that he said specifically was that this is how he imagined the game to be when he was a child. Yeah, I mean, thinking about it, like you got to use a lot of imagination with that really restricted uh, gameplay. And thinking back on it fondly, it's pretty awesome especially all this complete remake is astounding there's a lot more stuff that i didn't know that they were doing to the game itself you know in particular the uh the slowdown time that gives you all of your old options back like you were doing a turn-taking thing yeah yeah the ability to slow down time and pick out particular uh actions like your spells or your potions or you know the various skills and stuff that characters will unlock over time all that is kind of done in in like a really tactical sense it reminds me a little bit of like uh Final Fantasy 12 but with a more action bit on the front end like it is a kind of hack and slash sort of actiony game sort of like what we got in Final Fantasy 15 but there is that ability to just like go into a menu and pick out some abilities and set up your tactics and it's a really fascinating way to play the game and people are really enjoying it so i've heard i've heard several people talk about being able to play the demo and i believe the demo was only about 20 to 30 minutes long and it took place from like the attack on the mako reactor up to the scorpion fight and a lot of people are saying that it is some of the best gameplay they've ever played in an rpg if not period and that's exciting because just watching it at e3 had me pumped 
Uh, oh, yes. And the fact that uh, it makes you use, like, environment and stuff now is fantastic. Like, being able to not just fight face-to-face with your enemy like you do in all turn-taking RPG stuff, but being able to incorporate the, like, flanking your enemy, drawing his, like, fire towards you while your buddy does something else is amazing. It also looks like they've really considered just the type of actions that enemies will do because in the footage you can tell that the scorpion boss in particular has several different attacks that it uses and there's a couple different phases and it's just a lot more engaging than the original fight where you know you you you, you attack a few times maybe use thunder a couple times and then you wait for its tail to go down and in in the uh, gameplay reveal from e3 you didn't really even see that kind of mechanic where you had to wait for the tail to go down so it's not something that they had to reuse in a sense where they were limited by the system at the time, and now they have so yeah, much more you can do. Not, Square Enix is definitely not limiting itself with the original design and the original game concepts. They are taking basically the framework of Final Fantasy VII and making something completely new and more realized. Yeah, and it, it needs this. This will be fantastic. It's been years in the hype. It's, it's so much. It's going to be completely worth the wait. Yeah, and I've waited a long time for Square Enix games before. I famously talked about on this podcast, I think, that I waited exactly 10 years for Final Fantasy XV to launch, and while that that hype was never quite reached, especially with that game in particular and the various problems that it has, it, it was a very, very cool feeling to finally get it in my hands. I felt similarly with Kingdom Hearts 3. Yeah. Kingdom Hearts is my stop point for it, is I've waited so long and I watched it just keep getting put on the back burner for other projects. Yeah, and it seems like finally that this game in particular, I feel like they're going to take the lessons learned, whether harshly or, you know, and positively, because there are positives and negatives to both Final Fantasy 15 and Kingdom Hearts 3. But I think that they're going to take those lessons and really make Final Fantasy 7 one of their best AAA, full-blown, no-holds-bards releases. And I'm here for it. My only worry is that it is an episodic release, so we are getting basically the Mako section of the story, which I imagine will go clear up to the attack on the Shinra base, but hopefully we'll get a little bit more than that. I'm excited to see how in-depth they make that world, because it is a very exciting like sci-fi fantasy. It, It really is, and one of the things that I'm excited with for this remake is the fact that I have a lot of friends who are just like, you know, I'm not really into that kind of game, not really into that kind of thing but I know that they would really enjoy some of the story from Final Fantasy but the old turn-based RPGs are just not not their thing so this being much more of an action-based one sounds like I'm going to be able to get friends to try it and then go start playing the other Square games yeah and I when it comes to releases they particularly have this set for a PS4 release date of March and I am anticipating them doing a PC release much like they did for their other games but I'm honestly anticipating a Stadia release as well and possibly like an Xbox One because Square Enix seemed to be in the mindset of putting their games in just about anywhere they can and it seems like those platforms in particular are very appealing currently to getting it into more people's hands yeah like there's so many options right now um of course with everybody being on board for the uh, whole cross play play your games where you want to play them uh it's exciting there it's you're probably going to be able to play this on anything that you want not just playstation yes and thankfully a lot of the ps4 if not all of the ps4 games actually now that i think about it will be playable on the next playstation 
Edition, the PlayStation 5, and Square Enix has confirmed that the Final Fantasy VII Remake will be compatible with the PS5. Ooh, that's exciting. Yeah. That's already exciting news. Yeah, and the cool thing that I really liked about this presentation in particular, Zach, and I wrote a, a an op-ed about this on our website, is that Square Enix, probably more than any other company that I've interacted with in, in video games, they like honor their history in a way that's really appealing and very admirable. They have a tendency to keep their games as timeless classics. So anything from their numbered Final Fantasy entries to nowadays they're really pushing the the Saga series forward. We saw that we're getting another Saga port and well, one that had never been in America, I think. And so there's a lot of games that Square Enix brought to the table this time around that are more retro, kind of history-driven than anything else. And they have recently talked about this in several interviews uh, from E3, one which I have here from Game Informer, where the CEO Yosuke Matsuda confirmed that they want to put their games on pretty much any platform that they can and that there's an internal drive to make that happen. That is fantastic. Yeah, I mean, we're all the time preaching about game preservation, and Square Enix is one of the companies, like, leading the charge. Yeah, and they're, like, the big major name in front of it. And the one thing that they do admit in this interview, which is something that was covered in a couple of different interviews within the last year or so, and it just kind of makes sense if you think about it. A lot of the original source code was either lost or destroyed based on the kind of business practices that a lot of game development companies had at the time. Back in the 90s, I mean, hard drive space was extremely limited and just it it was really hard to purchase the amount of space it would take to kind of archive things. And so a lot of times when a game was finished and released and printed and they did not need it anymore, they would just delete it and move on to the next project. And that's the case for several of Square Enix titles. Thankfully, they've been able to save many of them. And one of which was a game that I actually predicted minutes before the presentation happened. Final Fantasy VIII is being remade despite them losing that source code. And it looks crisp. Yeah, and I mean, this isn't a remake like Final Fantasy VII. No, no, this is a high-def port, essentially. Yeah, yeah, but this is remastering the graphics and stuff like that, which it needed. You know, new color palettes you can definitely use, which will spice everything up. It will make it great. Yeah, Final Fantasy VIII is the other game in the Final Fantasy series that I think has aged poorly, because the, the character models just, they don't look great in the overworld. They look fine in battle, I think, especially the, the Guardian forces, the summons. That's my favorite part of Final Fantasy VIII, but this game is kind of the black sheep of the PS1 era. It's good, but it's got its issues, and it's really weird mechanically. So I'm excited to see what sort of quality of life changes they bring, because they have been adding a lot of just kind of modifications for their Final Fantasy VII, Final Fantasy IX, both of Final Fantasy X as well. So a lot of those releases are getting some just tweaks, and I'm excited to see which specific tweaks come in for eight. Yeah, those definitely feel that those have not aged very well. I honestly haven't played very many of the others, except for the like very old pixel ones, and I don't even know what numbered ones I played, because I played them when I was younger. But seeing that they're really trying to bring everything back to life is a nice breath of fresh air. Now I'm just holding yeah, out it- hope that they're going to do the same with Final Fantasy IX, even though I feel like that one's aged pretty well. One of the developers for Square Enix specifically talked about that there being interest to do the other PlayStation RPGs in the same fashion they're doing Seven. So in 10 years, we could be playing that type of Final Fantasy VIII or that type of Final Fantasy IX. And as most people know who know me, that's my favorite game probably of all time. I love Final Fantasy IX very dearly. Yeah, it was 
one of the ones that I managed to have the longest and I played the most. I spent the most time as a kid just kind of unlocking all the skills for all the characters and grinding out all the stuff that I could do, fighting all the optional bosses. Oh, it was wonderful. Yeah, and I've bought that game more times than I can count. I have a sealed copy on my shelf now. I'm looking at it. <laughs> I haven't bought it on the Switch yet. The most recent version with the like really nice graphics and the speed up features and stuff, I haven't played that one yet. I would like to, but again, it is one of my favorite games ever. So also in the Final Fantasy world, uh, we got... Uh, another trailer for Crystal Chronicles on the Switch PS4. Also mobile, which is kind of interesting. And that game in particular, I, I thought also needed a remake because it was pretty obtuse in the way you had to play it. On the original Game Boy, you needed, you know, several Game Boys. Or, no, it was a GameCube game, but you needed Game Boy Advances to actually control it, which was asinine and stupid. Yeah, it was really dumb. Kind of innovative, but just not with that technology. Like, today, it would be great. Like, being able to control some stuff, like, mix your phone in with the game. Like, I I love that, like, extra something, as long as it's accessible to everybody. Yeah, and that game also had the the unfortunate feature where it was a co-op kind of dungeon crawler romp, but one player was kind of dedicated to packing around that, like, aura that protects you from the poisonous ma- uh, miasma in the world. So they've also fixed that too. There's like one you can clip on your belt or something. So this is probably going to be the best version of this game and I'm excited to see what people do with it. Me too. I don't think it's going to blow people out of the water, but it's going to be a fun kind of just action RPG that people can play on and off. Yeah, I loved it. Uh, I never beat it because I couldn't figure out what the fuck I was doing, but right? it was really fun. I enjoyed it. Uh, it was one of the games, one of the very first games that that I hit a brick wall and just couldn't do anything else with. And I'm going to be excited to see it come back, and maybe I can actually beat it this time. I was fascinated by it, but never got very far, because Eli had it, and he's not super into Final Fantasies. He's played a few. But also, in kind of the remake report news, we have, just real quick, um, Octopath Traveler is now available on PC, I believe, if not here in the next day or two. And we also got The Last Remnant, which is originally a 360 and Windows game. Windows Live. What was it called? Games for Windows Live or whatever that awful service was. Oh, yeah. That was one of the early services that just didn't do hot. Yeah, I'm pretty certain it was on that. Regardless, it was on PC and 360. And now it's coming to like Switch and PS4. And uh, it's. Well, it's already available on the PS4, but it came to Switch. It's really cool. Um, a lot of people rate it as kind of an, an obscure, super good RPG, so it's probably worth checking out. Um, other than that, we also got news about the Switch port of Dragon Quest XI, which I'm personally looking forward to because I've yet to play it, and I'm a really big fan of the Dragon Quest games, even though I've only played like some of the classic ones, and I've never beaten any of them aside from the first one. But Echoes of an Elusive Age Definitive Edition S is coming to the Switch. Probably the most defining feature for me is the the fact that you can play this entire game in kind of a 16-bit traditional RPG, and that was a feature that was on the 3DS, so that's now come to consoles in the Switch. Good. Quality of life improvements are going to be really nice for this. Yeah, I mean, you essentially get two whole games. It's like two different perspectives in the same game. It's wild. <laughs> Other than that, we got confirmation of Life is Strange 2. Um, anybody who played the kind of prequel free-to-play story, uh, Captain Spirit, they were kind of highlighted lots of different influencers and stuff showing their best moments. Jacksepticeye was there, as well as several other familiar faces. Oh, yeah. Um, the Dragon Quest stuff, back to it, Dragon Quest Builders 2 is coming out soon. I really think that the first game was brilliant, and it's definitely worth your time. So I think when Dragon Quest 2 Builders comes out, uh, that's a game worth picking up. It looks super fun. Uh, how did I put this to you, that this is 
going to be like a gateway RPG for kids? Yeah, there's a couple different ones. You were talking about Minecraft Dungeons, which is a different game. But um, yeah, you brought that up a couple different times in Xbox. Uh, yeah, yeah, because the Minecraft Dungeons would be like, uh, what was it, Diablo-esque? So it'll give that yeah. same kind of feeling, but a lighter system and more kid-friendly. It definitely, this game is really cool. Like, I cannot stress enough how just like interesting it is to be in kind of a story-driven quest-filled world with the Dragon Quest license and all the cute monsters and staples that we've come to know and love, but also just it be kind of a Minecraft game. Like, it's really appealing. Slimes in Minecraft. Yeah, I mean, I played it, like, I did a a really in-depth article on it for Marooner's Rock, and whenever I was playing the PS4 version, I would play, like, six hours at a time. Like, it was incredible. Very addictive. (laughs) (laughs) Alright, so what else do we got, too? Kingdom Hearts 3 is getting a DLC, which we kind of knew about. Judging by the trailer, it looks like you'll be able to play as, at the very least, Riku, possibly Axel. It looks like there's a new form for Sora. I'm hoping that they do kind of the Final Fantasy 15 thing, where you can play through the entire game as a different character. So that will probably be pretty fun, and an excuse to load up Kingdom Hearts 3 again. Yeah. So for everybody who hasn't got their Ultima Blade, and all of that here's you another reason to come back yeah um anybody who's playing the mmo final fantasy 14 there's a new expansion coming for that looks to be starring dark knights i have no idea what's going on the lore in that game but it looks pretty cool i've always wanted to play but i don't like subscription yeah i don't like subscription either but it really looks like one of the better mmos that i've ever looked at fondly and just drooled at period it's so pretty (laughs) it is and all the characters and all the costumes are fantastic I've watched a couple streamers play it for couple hours here and there honestly and they're just in love with it and they just chatted on and on and on about all the cool things and just even not even like the playing most of the game game that you would traditionally think of but more of their like housekeeping like literally like housekeeping was fun for yeah, them. Yeah just being in that world is fun for a lot of people. Other than that we did get some mobile news there's probably a couple different mobile announcements in here but the next one that I'm looking at uh, Final Fantasy Brave Exvius that world is getting a tactics RPG on mobile and initially I'm like nah I'm kind of done with Brave Exvius. Like it's a, it's got some really, really good pixel art, but it's, it has the same trappings as any other gacha game does. However, War of the Visions Final Fantasy Brave Exvius has a very similar style to Final Fantasy Tactics, and I am super into that. Isn't this the one that basically added another continent to the game? Is involving more uh, of the world than you originally played in? Yeah, it, it's basically taking the like backdrop of Brave Exvius and making it into a tactics game, similar to how Final Fantasy Tactics and Final Fantasy Twelve in Ivalis, as well as Final Fantasy XI? Bits of fourteen, maybe. I don't know. Re- regardless, there's a bunch of, like, different Final Fantasy universes, and this is kind of connected to the Brave Exvius one. So, I don't know. It has potential. Mm-hmm. We also got a cinematic trailer for Outriders, which is kind of a shooter sort of thing. It's made by the people that did Bulletstorm and Gears of War Judgment. So, that could be good. That's a good team. Oh, right, right, right. They just have bad luck. Because this is under Square Enix's thing, and I thought it was out of place, but kind of exciting to see that they were doing some stuff. Yeah, they're helping with the publishing, mostly, I'm sure. But yeah, it doesn't look bad. Mm-hmm. I, I'd give just about anything a try, really. And Yeah, yeah. Uh, it looks kind of appealing. Yeah, because it, it feels like a shooter. You know, it looks like, not necessarily like Call of Duty or anything like that, but looks like uh, an adventure shooter. But it has magic elements, which are pretty cool, because you don't really see that sort of thing mixed together very often. Yeah. We also got an announcement trailer 
trailer for Oninaki, which is kind of a Diablo-style cutesy anime sort of like hack and slash RPG. Could be cool. Again, it, there's not a whole lot of like, it looks like what you see is what you get in this game. Yeah. And that's abilities and hack and slash and maybe a decent premise, but for the most part, it looks like more of the uh, the snack style of, of game rather than like this ridiculous entree, you know what I mean? <laughs> It'll be the thing that you snack on in between games. Yeah. And then lastly, we had the actual reveal. Like nobody had even seen anything about this game yet that we know of. I mean, I'm sure somebody had to have. But we got to know about Eidos or no, Crystal Dynamics. Those are the people behind it. They're doing uh, Marvel's Avengers. Similar name scheme to what uh, Insomniac did with Spider-Man. But this game will allow you to play as five different heroes in kind of a third person sort of action game with looks like various abilities and cooldowns and basic attacks and you know that type of thing but you can play as captain america iron man hulk my boy thor and black widow that's refreshing i didn't really know the character roster but it looks really good yeah it it doesn't look bad that the whole thing is like it is kind of a it's almost a parallel world to the cinematic universe it's a different universe clearly but like the character models if you look at them look very much inspired by the cinematic universe and like the way the characters portray themselves seems very much akin to what we are familiar with in in theaters yes and from what i understand this is gonna be i mean okay scratch that so this is gonna be like in the comics how there's very many different iterations of the same thing going on so this is another avengers universe like you were saying correct yeah so like the the main comparison that i like to make for this at least in my current understanding this game reminds me a little bit of like Warframe or Destiny and the style of uh, lots of enemies, lots of abilities, that sort of thing. I don't know if that comparison is really fair yet, but that's what it seems to be. And my big worry about this game is the live service model, which they hinted at at the very end of the show, which completely tanked my interest in it. Yeah, because this one has some sort of microtransactions and such, yeah? Just to play? They say they're going to support it for a year out, which means that there's got to be some sort of microtransaction element somewhere. They said there's no loot boxes, but that doesn't mean there's not skeezy elements. True, true. I mean, you're catching a lot of crackdown on the loot boxes, so everybody's getting nice and creative about doing it in a different way. Yeah, that's what it is. I mean, the problem is the buzzword loot boxes, microtransactions, those are steadily becoming recurring spending and live services which we will soon also have to demonize because they're the same thing. But yeah, Square Enix, I think, overall was probably one of my favorite presentations, especially because they had the heavy hitters and they had a huge focus on their retro and and past titles coming into the future. Uh, sidebar, in case I'm thinking of the wrong show, is this the one where the girl was out there dancing? No, that was whoever had um, Tango. It was Bethesda. Uh, okay, okay. Never mind. Because it was the same team that did Evil Within, but it's their new, um, like third person game gotcha gotcha i love her she's amazing right (laughs) nakamura yeah she's perfect nakamura kriana reeves and that one dog that is the recurring dog the wholesome trinity there was another character too but i don't remember the other one yeah yeah regardless this this e3 in general had a lot of wholesome things that people really latched onto yeah so square enix i mean where does that kind of fall in your ranking uh in my ranking i want to say that square enix like picked up perfect they set their pace and a high 
sidebar for their presentation. I mean, it's not like they came out just dropping fucking bombshells. We knew Final Fantasy VII was coming, so that wasn't a big surprise. Uh, Like, the big surprise was seeing the time stop, which, by the way, I know we didn't mention this earlier, you can make those commands quick commands, so you don't have to actually slow down time every time it comes up. You can just keep the fast-paced action and skip that. Hell yeah. Which is cool. That's very cool. Yeah, I'm going to be using the turn-based things, because I want to use my spell lists and my ability lists. But they came out, they showed you what you wanted to see most first, hooked you in, got your attention, and then we're like, remember, we did all this stuff in the past, this is the stuff we're going to keep doing, and we're going to bring it back to you. This time, (laughs) as you were saying, like, they lost a bunch of shit because of the mindset before, and they're digging it out of the past. They're just finding things and bringing it back. I think probably more than any other game publishing and development company in the world, Square Enix has, aside from maybe Nintendo, one of the most colorful and monumental legacies in video games. And I cannot wait to see how they not only respect that going forward, but also how they innovate. Out of everybody there, I want to work with Square Enix the most. Yeah, yeah. If I were to pick any video game company in the world to just be a developer for in some shape or fashion, it would be either Square Enix or Capcom. And Square Enix is, uh, like, my number one choice. Absolutely. Now that said, uh, next time on the Forever Classic Podcast, we're going to talk about Nintendo's show and how it kind of stacked up. And I'll give you a hint. It was pretty damn great. Had a lot of good shows this year. Had a couple of bad flops. I'm looking at you, Ubisoft, yeah. and Bethesda. I don't know what the fuck you were thinking, Bethesda. Maybe we'll put that in an episode all on its own. <laughs> the flops of E3. Here's Microsoft, pretty good. Square Enix, heckin' great. Nintendo, maybe even better, everything else. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Because I have some thoughts on everything else, but we'll save that yeah. negativity for next time. Yeah, and then, you know, whatever weird stuff Devolver Digital did, It's always very cool and very confusing. Either way, thank you all for listening to the Forever Classic Podcast. Send us an email at theforeverclassicpodcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on pretty much any social media. It's true. I'm Alex. Thank you for listening. And as always, stay cool. Thanks, guys. Come back next time. Bork, bork. Hey, I'm doing a show. Shut up.